0: Most of us could use more energy in our day, but we have to find ways to replenish our bodies in healthy ways. It turns out two main factors in low energy are chronic stress and a lack of nutrition. Organifi creates delicious superfood blends that address both of these problems. In the morning, try Organifi Green Juice with essential superfoods and a clinical dose of ashwagandha. It helps reduce stress and support healthy cortisol levels. In the afternoon, I love Organifi Red Juice. It's a superfood punch that increases energy without the caffeine and only two grams of sugar. Each Organifi blend is easy to use by simply mixing it with water or your favorite beverage while on the go. And they don't compromise quality for taste. Organifi takes pride in offering the best tasting superfood products on the market at a price that works out to less than $3 a day you can experience Organifi's high-quality superfoods without breaking the bank. Head over to www.organifi.com slash best of you and use code best of you for 20% off your entire order. That's Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com best of you and use code best of you for 20% off. Hey, everyone, I'm Dr. Allison, and I'm so glad you're here to discover what brings out the best of you. This podcast is all about breaking free from painful patterns, mending the past, and discovering our true selves in God. I can't wait to get started as we learn together how to become the best version of who we are with God's help. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to The Best of You Podcast. I just wanna tell you how much I enjoy doing this podcast. I have heard from so many of you how much this podcast means to you. And I can't even tell you as we're approaching, I, I guess I've been doing it, well, it's episode 42. So 10 weeks away from a year, how much joy I've gotten from creating this podcast. Oftentimes when I'm talking to people, about their dreams and and what they long for and what they want and what they desire, I, I often say, what were some of your childhood dreams? When you were by yourself, what would you do that was just pure joy? Because often that's a cue to what our real longings are, what our real dreams are. And and for me, it really was this playing school. It was like, you know, getting to talk to people about the things that I found really fascinating. And that's what I get to do every single week with this podcast is talk to you all about these ideas that I think are so fascinating and that have informed my own life and informed my practice and informed my work. And the fact that you're responding to that and that it means something to you, that's just the sweet spot. You know, that's just the joy that, that the thing I love to do is resonating and connecting with you and what you need is just, that's the magic. You know, that's the magic. And so thank you so much for your feedback, for your encouragement, for your responses. I appreciate the ways you've been sharing this podcast with your friends, with your family members, with other people. We just continue to grow every week, and it makes me excited. I just have this sense of God ushering in His healing through these means, through technology, through modern technology, right? And I just pray with you as we learn to honor these parts of ourselves in partnership with God's Spirit that we would just bring more healing, more goodness, more beauty, more kindness, more of this compassionate self-awareness into our lives, into our relationships, into this world that is so desperately in need of it. So thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing it. I also wanna add that today is my birthday. I wasn't planning to record this episode today. But it also feels very right and timely that I'm recording this episode on my birthday. It's one of those birthdays I actually have very complicated feelings about. It's a little bit of a milestone birthday. And when we have complicated feelings, usually that's a cue that there are different parts of us, right? Different parts of you have different feelings about this birthday. And today we're talking about these vulnerable emotions, these emotions we tend to want to exile, in particular, sadness and loneliness. And so today, as I was reflecting on my birthday on these complicated emotions I have about it, and I've been steeping myself as I prepare for this episode in thinking about sadness and loneliness, it actually kind of came together for me in a really beautiful way personally. And that is this, a part of me is really happy and deeply grateful today on this sort of milestone birthday. I am very aware of how grounded and anchored and content I am in the work God has given me to do, how content I am in my family, in my relationships, in my life. There's a lot of sweetness on this birthday and that ability to recognize the health, the goodness, the joy is very much informed by the reality of sadness and loneliness that has characterized a lot of my adult life, especially my 20s and 30s, right? These experiences from the past that are not as much part of my current reality, of my present reality, but that have very much played a role that I'm experiencing today, right? The happiness that I feel today is informed by the sadness and the loneliness I have experienced in the past. And because I can still connect to those parts of me, right? I haven't eradicated them. They're a part of my story, but they've been reintegrated into this larger, more beautiful tapestry of my life. I can enjoy the present happiness in a much more complete, a much more nuanced, a much more textured, vital, beautiful way. I see the fruit of all of these parts of me. There's a humility in the gratitude I feel today because parts of me understand deeply what it's like to experience life's fragility when sadness and loneliness are very palpable and very close at hand. And so I appreciate more deeply the experience of today because of, not despite of the sadness and the heartache, but because of their part in this story that is my life. There's a way in which the sorrow, the parts of me that are acquainted with grief, with loneliness, with sorrow, give texture and illuminate the joy. It provides a fuller Picture of all of the whole of this story of life that we're all in the business of creating. We're in the business of working out this story that is our life. The acquaintance that parts of me still have with those experiences of sadness and loneliness creates a more beautiful harmony as I experience the whole. And so today, as we look at two of these emotions that are such a deep and vital part of every human experience, sadness, and loneliness, I want you to consider that while these emotions are challenging to navigate, especially when you get really lost in them, and I've been there at different times of my life, and I've walked numerous people through those valleys, right? When you're in the valley, and all you can see is sadness, and all you can feel is the aloneness, we all go through those valleys, some people more than others, but they are real. Those valleys are real. But when they begin to be held within healthy boundary lines in your soul and they begin to come together with other parts of your story, other parts of you that begin to experience joy and begin to taste goodness and begin to experience connection, they become beautiful parts of who you are that light up the landscape of your internal life in beautiful, nuanced, textured ways. And so I don't want you to eradicate these parts of you. I do want you to learn how to establish healthy boundary lines with them so that they create color, so they bring a little texture, they bring some nuance, like those flutes, right? In that middle school band we talked about in episode 39, they bring some beauty and some nuance to your story, but they don't tell the whole story of who you are. So I want to start off with sadness by saying, first of all, you need your pain, Grief, sadness, suffering, sorrow, disappointment. While painful, these emotions make us real. They are part of being alive. If we got rid of those emotions, we would not understand the feeling and experience of joy, of happiness, of excitement, of anticipation, of hope, right? Those emotions go hand in hand, Part of the joy that we experience is because we're aware of what it feels like when things are hard. It's a very odd dichotomy, right? But it's one that even Jesus experienced. He was a man who was acquainted with suffering, with sorrow, with grief, and he was also a man who understood joy. We don't wanna numb out. We don't wanna shut down these harder emotions. They help bring us alive. They also Help us understand resilience, which is something that we need to survive. They can fuel our creativity, right? Our ability to connect with other people and bring life and bring innovation. They help us to understand what it's like to walk so closely by faith when we are walking through the shadow of the valley of the dark, when we have a sense of God's leadership, even though we feel alone and scared and maybe even lost a little bit, right? The pain of our lives can drive us to seek Jesus, to seek out other people, to dig deeper into ourselves, to grow. And I'm not saying that makes it okay, but I am honoring that pain can have a byproduct of teaching us resilience, of teaching us how to be stronger, of teaching us how to change certain things, to fight for what is good and honorable in our lives. It could fuel purpose, right? Sometimes when we're hurting, when we're struggling, when we're sad, we start to look for purpose, we start to look for meaning and we can gain new insights. And those insights that are hard won in the battle of our suffering can lead us to be incredible channels of empathy and healing and hope and goodness for others. So we need our pain, we need our sadness, we need our sorrow to help us become more of who God wants us to become on this side of heaven in this world that desperately needs us to be real as we show up to our own lives and to other people. And that means coming into contact with our sadness, with our sorrow, with the things that are hard, The trick is not to let those emotions overtake us, right? To feel like they're all of who we are. The trick is to keep our sadness, to keep our sorrow within healthy boundary lines. And that'll be easier at different times of life than others. There are times when we're just in it, when we're just in the hard stuff. And we're really in it. And we need anchors around us. We need other people. We need anchors to keep us going, to keep us strong until we can get to that place where the light starts to break through. We start to see our way forward and we start to climb out of that valley. We don't stay in the valleys forever. We don't stay in the valleys forever. And when we're in the valleys, we need support to guide us. But those valleys also become beautiful places that when we look back on them, when we look at our suffering from the rearview mirror, we say, I'm grateful for that. It was hard. I don't necessarily wanna go through that again, but I'm grateful for what God did in my life through that season and for the good that I have to offer out of those places inside my soul. And so I want you to consider as you're listening today, what's your relationship like to your own sadness? Is it an emotion that's very close to you? that you access readily and you you have to work to keep it within healthy boundary lines so that it doesn't take you over. Maybe you're somebody who's struggled a little bit with depression or struggled to remember the good, right? It's easier for you to sink into the sorrow. And there's no shame in that, but it's just something to be aware of. For some of you listening, sadness comes fairly easily and you have to work to remember the joy. You have to work to keep that sadness within healthy boundary lines. And remember that there are other parts of your experience. There are other parts of your stories. And to be honest, folks who are very well acquainted with sadness tend to be highly empathetic. They tend to be highly in tune with the suffering of others. It's a beautiful quality. And I don't want you to shame yourself if you feel that your sadness is fairly close to you. In fact, I want you to honor that as a gift and also think of that sadness as just one Heart of you. And some of you listening feel like sadness is a little further away. It's maybe harder for you to tap into it. Maybe you have very healthy protectors that just keep sadness far away. Maybe you're someone who produces or performs or pleases some of those P words, and that kind of helps you keep sadness at bay. Or maybe you're someone who has a little bit of anxiety or anger and all of those things are more present to you. And so you don't as easily or often dip into that well of sadness. It doesn't mean it's not there. It's just a little more far away from you. It's a little more foreign to you. And for those of you listening who find that sadness is farther away, there's no shame in that either, right? I would encourage you to consider your relationship to sadness and consider that it is an important part of your internal family, that grief and that sorrow isn't something to shove aside, that it's something to bring into relationship with these other hardworking parts of you that sometimes sadness can remind you, hey, it's okay to slow down. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to need support. Sadness can help you bring yourself back into balance, right? So whether sadness is close to you or whether sadness feels far away. This is an opportunity to just get curious about your own relationship to this God-given emotion, an emotion we know Jesus was deeply acquainted with. This is an emotion that is not to fear, not to exile. It's an emotion to get curious about. What are some of the benefits of sadness? Well, Number one, we've all experienced loss in life. We've all experienced some sort of pain, and those losses, those parts of our story are worthy of honor and respect, right? These are parts of our story that we can exile or we can honor and reintegrate into this larger narrative that is our life in a healthy way. They can help us become aware of these losses or of burdens that we may still carry with us that need our attention. They can help us understand our own hearts and the things that we deeply love, the things that we deeply value, right? Where there is sorrow, there is something that we've grieved. There's a good thing, a beautiful thing that we've lost, And that helps us understand, oh, wait a minute, I'm someone who valued that friendship or who longed for that thing. And the sadness reminds me that there was good in that longing, that I'm someone who cares about these relationships, that cared about that thing. And while there's loss in owning that, that's also a cue to some of my God-given desires, to some of my God-given makeup. These parts of us that carry sadness, that carry loss, can help us develop empathy and come alongside others who are suffering. It's a channel for connection to other people, right? Sadness can help us honor the reality of our story and the hardships we face. And I like that word honor, to honor those parts of our stories. They're real. We survived something. We got through something, right? Sadness helped us get through that. Sadness told us you're alive, you're human. And that is something to be sad about. And if if I weren't sad, I'd be a machine. I'd be a robot. I'd be an unfeeling person, or I might even be a sociopath, right? I wouldn't care. Well, that's not what it means to be human. Our sadness reminds us that we're human and that we experience loss. And gosh, if we could shut that off, that would not be a good thing. We don't want to be robots. In this world, we don't want to be people who are cut off from our feelings. And sometimes our feelings get the best of us over and over again. You hear me saying we want to set healthy boundary lines with our sadness. We don't want it to take us over and we don't want it to go away. It reminds us of what's real, it reminds us of people that we've lost, that we love, that we do not want to forget, that we want to create a space to honor even as other parts of us are able and ready to move forward. This is what I love about this parts model. Parts of us grieve, even as parts of us hope in a future that we still have before us. This is health. This is health that both of these things can be true. I can honor my heartache about that loss, about that hard thing, about that hurt. And I can also honor, honor parts of me that are hopeful about the future, that are even looking forward to a future. Those two things can exist side by side. And in fact, they should exist side by side. In fact, they both help make us more complete. They make us whole. They create a harmony. Now, sadness can get too close, and when it's too close to us, we can be overtaken by feelings of sorrow, of suffering. We can even move into victim mentalities where we just feel like we're destined for a life of sadness. We can shift into depression and despair. We can feel worn out and exhausted and burdened and heavy laden when sorrow gets too big. We can stay ruminating and sort of stuck in painful memories from the past instead of healing them and allowing them a proper place within our internal family. We can move into shame, self-doubt, even false guilt, some insecurity, right? So we want to keep sadness within healthy boundary lines. When it gets extreme, it can take us into some dark places, and if you've struggled with depression, you know this. And there's no shame in this. There's no shame in this. It happens. But again, we don't want to exile the parts of us that carry sorrow altogether. We want to welcome them as important members of our internal family and help them find healthy boundary lines within our soul. What happens when two friends who love snacks and have mostly differing opinions start a podcast? Welcome to the weekly journey with Jamie and Fallon who love laughing as much as they love food. Follow along as they live their motto, live, laugh, snap. I love Jamie and Fallon. I get to work with them on the TSF network. They are awesome humans and they are just having so much fun on this podcast. Who doesn't need a laugh right now? And who doesn't need some insight into some great tasting snacks? Each episode is 30 minutes long. They release every Friday. If you are someone who loves a good snack or just enjoys listening to two great humans have a great time together, listen and subscribe to The Snack Show. It's anywhere podcasts are found. Getting high quality food and household essentials delivered right to my doorstep, whether it's my favorite Dave's Killer Bread, incredible wine, or seventh generation cleaning supplies has been a game changer for me. I love that Thrive Market only allows trusted, top-quality ingredients while restricting thousands of harmful ingredients like artificial flavors, high-fructose corn syrup, and more. And with just a few clicks, I can filter out ingredients that I don't want, like gluten or high-sugar content, making it so easy to find the items I need for my family. Best of all, when you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. Save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to thrivemarket.com slash best of you for 30% off your first order, plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash best of you. Thrivemarket.com slash best of you. It's helpful to think about three different categories of it. The first is when we experience sadness over the loss of something that was good that we wanted. The second is that sometimes surprises us is there can be sadness or sorrow over the loss of something painful. And then finally there's the sorrow or sadness about a lost dream, something that might have been, something that we longed for that never was. And all of these things can cause sorrow or sadness in different ways. When you think about the loss of something good, right? And this is where we get into this very delicate relationship between sorrow and joy. If you're someone who has moved a lot, that was the source of a lot of my sadness and loneliness in my adult years as I moved around a ton. And so I was very untethered from communities. I was very untethered from this very anchored childhood all the way through 18 until I left for college. And so I understood what it felt like to be tethered very intimately to a real present community. And then suddenly in my 20s and 30s, I was very untethered. It was the opposite. And there was so much sorrow around that loss of that anchoring community of my childhood. I just couldn't recreate it. And a lot of that was my own choices. I made a lot of movements. A lot of us who are part of sort of Gen X, if you're relate. We started moving around. You know, we didn't we didn't stay where our families were and everybody started moving around and our friends started moving around and and nobody was in the same location. And, and it created some good things. We had these different opportunities and it created a lot of loss, a lot of loneliness, a lot of untethering. And then technology came into that in the 90s and the 2000s. Suddenly we're all on technology and that contributed to some of the untethering. It created some ways that we could reconnect, but it also wasn't the same thing. And so There's a lot of sadness in that untethering. And so there's a loss of something good, right? It's a good thing to become aware of. Oh my goodness, there was good in that. And so I'm sad now because I missed something that was really beautiful and really good and and I can't fully recreate it. And so what do we do here? What do we do with the sadness? Because the sadness is telling me something important and I've got to figure out how to move forward, not back, right? I can't get stuck in what I don't have anymore. I've got to figure out how to take that sadness, let it inform me about what I value. And I tell this story in Boundaries for Your Soul in the chapter on sadness about, for me, it was all about revisiting that community of my youth and letting myself grieve. I didn't know how special it was until I left it. It's all I ever knew. I literally was born in the same house that I left when I was 18 and went off to college. And so all of that safety, all of that security that was no longer there suddenly in my 30s. And I'd been living in all these different cities and no permanence, no stability of community. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's a loss. I am sad about that. And I didn't even know it until it sort of overtook me. And slowly I began to listen to that sadness and let it inform me so that I can make wiser, healthier decisions moving forward. I couldn't recreate the past. I couldn't go back. You know, and I talk about that Miranda Lambert song, and that song still makes me cry when I sing it. It's the song about the house that built me, you know, this poignancy, right, of that feeling of home that I'd had, but that was gone and would never be again. And also that sadness informed me. It began to tell me I value roots. I value anchors. I need to figure out how to move toward that, Over the next few years, I can't magically bring it in, but I can begin to move toward it. I can begin to reconnect with some of those people that made me feel so tethered in my youth. I began to return to Wyoming. You'll hear me talk about the mountains of Wyoming. That's why they're so important to me. I began to build in ways of reconnecting to those beautiful images, the anchoring of the land of that mountain face that I would look at every single day until I was 18 into my present and future reality. I let that sadness, that grief, that feeling of loss help me reintegrate important things that I valued into my life. Some of you feel sorrow over a person that you've lost. Maybe someone who has passed away, who is no longer with us. Maybe a relationship that has gone and that person cannot come back. That relationship cannot come back. And that sorrow reminds you of love. It reminds you of love. It reminds you of the beauty of a human life, of a relationship that brought something to you that might've healed Parts of you. And even though that relationship is gone, a part of it remains because it changed you. That person might be gone, but that person remains because they changed you. And so that sadness, while it's so hard to face, right? It's so hard to face, also reminds you of the tremendous good that that person brought to you and that still lives on, not just in that memory, but in the part of your soul that has forever been changed by that person or by that relationship. And so while the sadness is hard and the grief is hard, it points you to something deeply good, something deeply beautiful, something God brought into your life to change you and to bring good to you. And you find ways to honor that good. You honor that person or that relationship by holding the good that they brought to you alive by celebrating that, right? This is how we honor grief. We honor the people and the good things that we miss by honoring the parts of us that have been forever changed by those situations, by those people, by those relationships. This is the work of healthy boundaries with sadness, where instead of letting it take us over and consume us and destroy us, we let it bring out the very best, not only of who we are, but of these other people and of these other relationships that have enriched our lives. We wanna honor those other people with the goodness that we bring into our life as a result of having been touched by those humans. This is the work. Of grief. This is the work of honoring our sadness because our sadness points us to something that was so deeply good. This is the work of healthy boundaries, right? It's not exiling our sadness. It's not saying, oh God, I just won't go there. You took that person for a reason. It's also not saying, I'm going to dwell in that sorrow and I'm going to let it take me out and keep me from living this life that I still have. It's saying, I'm gonna honor the place that person had in my life, the place that relationship had in my life by becoming even more of the person I really am. I honor them by moving forward with this beautiful life. Now, this is a process. This takes time. You can't rush this process, but I want you to hear me talk about this healthy balance. There's a little bit of a tension in our souls. This is delicate, nuanced work of honoring the sadness, even as we let it shape us into someone even more whole, even more beautiful, even more of a reminder of the way that person or that relationship left a lasting impact. We can also feel sadness over the loss of something painful, something that reminds us of a really complicated, maybe even terrible chapter of our lives. Now, this is complicated grief, complicated sadness. This is where we get into the complexity of trauma. I've worked with numerous women who have had to get out of abusive relationships, and there's a grief involved with that too. There's a complicated grief. There's the grief of it took years from my life. There's the grief of there was a little bit of good there, or I wouldn't have been in it, right? But then that good went bad. That good went awry. So there's complexity. There was something there at the beginning that then turned toxic. So I have to grieve both the lost years, the lost time, and I have to grieve what I had hoped it would become. So there's nuance to that loss when something went sideways, when something went bad, a relationship or a person. We have to sometimes grieve the loss of a childhood that we never had, right? Where there was complexity, in our relationships with our parents. There's sorrow there, and the sorrow doesn't necessarily just simply point us to something that was good. It points us to a really complicated part of our life where we suffered at the hands of someone else's toxicity, right, and so we're sad that we got ensnared in that. We're sad that that person became that toxic thing. We're also sad about what we didn't get, and this gets complicated, and there might be some Anger there close side by side with the sadness. And that anger needs to be there. And so there's a little bit more complexity to working through that sadness. People sometimes feel a lot of shame or a lot of frustration with themselves. Why do I feel sad about this relationship? Why do I feel sad about this person, this parent, this ex? Right? They only mistreated me. Why do I feel sad about that relationship? Well, That sadness is there for a reason. That person was all you had. You didn't know any better at the time when you were a kid or when you were in that relationship. They did provide parts of you with something, even though now you know that it wasn't healthy overall, there was something you got from that at the time. That was all you knew. And so your grief is complicated, right? And you wanna do that work with someone else. Don't do that work alone of teasing apart the different layers of sadness, the grief over something that even was toxic and the ongoing grief if the person is still in your life. So every time I bump up against this person, I have grief over the fact that that relationship is gone and I have grief over the fact that that person was never the mom, the dad, the spouse, the ex-spouse that I wish I had had, right? so grief can be a little bit ongoing and we have to nurture that relationship to it so that it stays within healthy boundary lines. A recent survey found that 7 in 10 parents get an average of just 3 hours of sleep a night in their baby's first year. Moms, you deserve to have quality sleep, and I know one thing that will help. It's Cozy Earth. You can discover the secret to better sleep with Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding products. And here's an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for our listeners. Use code best of You for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Cozy Earth bedding products are crafted with temperature-regulating technology that adapts to your body's needs through all phases of motherhood. And they use only the very best fabrics, materials, and weaves, offering superior softness that invites you to sink into a world of comfort. The best part is, Cozy Earth stands by the quality and longevity of their products. Enjoy a 100-night sleep trial and a 10-year warranty on all purchases. They're built to last through the hardest days and the longest nights. Treat yourself to ultimate comfort with Cozy Earth Bedding and Sleepwear and prioritize your self-care and sleep health. Head over to CozyEarth.com and use promo code You for an exclusive 35% off. The luxury she deserves. Cozy Earth. Grief work is often ongoing. It doesn't happen on a dime. It's a way of tilling this garden inside your own soul. And, and you can find ways as you tenderly and compassionately care for those parts of you that carry that grief where it doesn't go away, but the burden is eased. The burden is lightened. And that's what Jesus says again, that, that he comes and he, and he says, my burden is light. It doesn't mean the burden isn't there, but he steps in and he helps you carry that burden and it becomes a little lighter and and it begins to inform you of the kind of person you wanna be and the kind of relationships you wanna form going forward. And you you till that soil with care because it matters and your story matters. And you wanna honor that part of your story without letting it take you over, without letting it rob you of the best of who you are. And then lastly, there's this loss of what might've been the loss of a dream that can no longer materialize, the loss of a certain way of living that has been curtailed by a physical limitation, right? Or a quote-unquote happily ever after, right? It's not the life you had imagined for yourself, but it is the life that you have. And there's disappointment with that and there's loss with that. And there is also beauty that can come from that. And man, this is the work, And the work is not to let one run roughshod over the other. If you too quickly go to there's purpose in pain or there's beauty in brokenness, you risk exiling that sad part of you that needs to be heard, that needs to remind you of the disappointment, of the loss, even of the anger. And also if you let that part of you take you over too much, You risk missing out on the ways in which God wants to help you weave together another beautiful story. Really appreciate the work of Kayla Stockling on this. She writes about her experience surviving her husband's death by suicide and raising their children. And she just talks in very profound and very nuanced ways of the heartache and the sorrow of that and the ways in which she is continuing to create her own life. There's a lot of nuance and texture in this work of creating healthy boundaries in your own soul. I want to remind you that roughly one-third of the Psalms express lament. Lament signifies faith, not weakness. It shows that you're hanging on. It shows that you value the good things in life. So, when you notice pain or you notice sadness or you notice disappointment, don't try to shoo it away. Instead, name it, befriend it, extend compassion toward it. There you are, sadness. I see you there. It's okay. You can be here with me. I bless you for this grief you're reminding me of. I don't want you to take me over, but I do want you to be here with me. You're welcome here, and God welcomes you too. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. We won't know comfort if we don't first honor the sorrow, right? We won't understand the deep and meaningful ways that God meets us in our sorrow if we don't first acknowledge it to ourselves and to a few safe people. Now, for those of you for whom sadness can be hard to let in, I invite you to consider a part of you that might be sad. What if you could befriend it? Not so that it takes you over, but so that you tend it. What if you could honor its pain? And in doing so, it might even soften a little bit to become this very tender, very sweet place inside your internal family. What if instead of fighting to keep it away, the tears that it holds are part of what will bring you even more connection to your God-given self, and maybe even to other people. You know, crying is such an interesting thing when it's done in a safe, supportive environment. It's so healthy for us. It releases endorphins and other good chemicals. It reduces stress, and it can function as a deep form of self-soothing. It can help you sleep better. It connects us to hope paradoxically, right? A good cry can really open us up to more connection to others and to more connections to God, which opens us up to hope. The release of sadness is a prayer of surrender. So often your tears say, I don't have the answers. I have no more words. I simply have the reality of these human emotions. And that is my form of prayer right now. If you have much buried pain, please don't try to cry it out all alone. Seek help from someone who can help hold some of that pain with you. But regardless, we don't want to let sadness take us over, but we also don't want to exile it either. It's a beautiful part of being human. It's a beautiful member of your internal family. We want to have a healthy relationship with our sadness. So as we close, I want to answer a question. Essentially, the question was this. I struggle with sadness and loneliness, but I am so overwhelmed with the things I need to get done in my life. I'm a parent, I work, all the things. How do I do this work when I have such a busy life? It feels so overwhelming. And I really love this question. I want to give you a couple of really practical Nuggets, especially with sadness and also loneliness. Now, sadness and loneliness are not the same thing, but they're similar in one way, and that is that they scare us because they can take us over. And so, the thing with both sadness and loneliness is that when they take us over, when they get big, they literally depress or suppress body functions, So they're the opposite of activating. Activating emotions are things like anxiety, anger. Those kind of amp us up. They get us going. Sadness and loneliness slow us down. They suppress us. That's where the word depression comes on. They depress some of our bodily functions. And so as is suggested in this question, it's like, I don't have time to be sad. I don't have time to be lonely right? And so I want to address that briefly here because that's very real. I get it. I mean, we're busy parents, we're working, and you can start to maybe feel those emotions tug at your soul and you're like, I don't have time for this. And I hear that all the time. And here's what I want to say a couple of things about that. Structure is your friend. And in order to build trust with those emotions so that they don't take you over, because here's the thing, if you don't honor them and if you don't tend to them a little bit, they will Start to come out. They'll come out sideways. They'll overtake you when you least expect it. So, you don't want to completely ignore them, but you can build trust with them and you do it by scheduling it. And here's an example if you're a parent, you've got a bunch of kids and you've got a kid come home from school and they've had a really bad day and they want to tell you all about it because their friends were mean to them and they're really okay. Like, they're not dying, they're not in an emergency. And you've got stuff to do. You've got a commitment and you cannot just drop everything and be present to their every emotion, right? When you've built trust with your child, you can say to your child, listen, I wanna hear all about it. I'm so sorry this happened to you. I can't do it right now, but we're gonna circle back later tonight after dinner. I've got time after dinner. I wanna sit down and I wanna hear all about it. You schedule it and then you gotta circle back because you're building trust with them. And you can do this with your kids and it's actually healthy because it teaches them they're gonna be okay In that emotion, they're not gonna die. You're gonna be there for them. You can't drop everything in this moment, but you're gonna circle back so you build trust. You're teaching them emotional tolerance that they can tolerate their emotions. A couple of things are going on there that are really valuable. This gets into healthy boundaries. I wanna be present to you. I can't do it right now. So here's the time that we're gonna do it. It's the same with these parts of our souls. This is the goal. Now, again, at the front end of this work, you may need to schedule the time with a therapist. Because if you've never looked at your sadness or there's been a lot of loneliness there that you haven't wanted to look at, you will want to do that with a therapist who can help you pace that process. But this is the goal. I want to paint you a picture of when you schedule that time, when you notice, man, I am sad about that. And I don't have time to be sad about that now. Instead of shoving it aside, you mentally think to yourself, where can I talk about that grief? Can I call a friend and say, hey, listen, can we take a walk on Saturday? I need to talk to you about something. Can you tell a neighbor, Hey, listen, could you have coffee with me tomorrow? There's something I need to get off my chest. And what you're saying to that part of you is, I see you there. I am not going to just shove you aside. I've scheduled some time to really dig into you, or I'm going to schedule some time to journal about you later today. And this leads me into tip number two. When you are reaching out to a friend, to a neighbor, even to a therapist, to someone at church, whomever it may be, to your small group, communicate on behalf of of that sadness on behalf of that loneliness versus from it. Here's what it sounds like to speak on behalf of it. Hey, safe person who I trust, I am going through something. I'm not sure what it is, but I wanted you to know that I'm struggling with some loneliness. I'm struggling with some sadness. Would you be available to talk it through with me? Could we have coffee? Could we have lunch? Could we take a walk this weekend? Because I'm noticing this and I need to have a place to talk about it. What friend is it gonna be like, yeah, I'm there for you, let's do it? Because you are taking responsibility for that emotion. When you speak on behalf of it, you're saying, here's what's going on with me. I'm aware of it, I need some support for it. Would you come alongside me as together we begin to unpack it? This is friendship, this is connection, and it's so different than just downloading on a friend. So when we first name and befriend and extend compassion for ourselves and say, here's that sadness again. You're welcome here, but man, I don't have time for you right now. Gosh, loneliness is really closing in. It's not good. I'm going to work, but then I'm coming home and there's that loneliness, or it's just a little too lonely on the weekends, or when my kids aren't at home with me, boy, that loneliness is there. I'm lonely in my marriage even. I don't know what to do with that, but I need to get support for that when you focus and you befriend and you're not shaming yourself and you're a little bit differentiated from it, you can actually reach out and get the help that you need in a more strategic way that honors the busyness of your life, that says, I don't have time to do this this week, but boy, this weekend, I'm getting some support for that part of me. And you start to care for that part of you just as you would care for a child in your own family. I want to remind you again today as we close that if you are suffering, if you have sadness inside of you, if you are lonely, there is a God of the universe who honors those parts of you, who loves those parts of you, who wants to help you create healthy, beautiful boundary lines within your own soul where we can get comfort to those parts of you, where we can get community to those parts of you. I love the psalm that says God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of the widows. He sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. It starts with honoring, with naming, with befriending, and then with God's help, getting those resources to the lonely, to the sad parts of your soul that are so precious and so worthy of your care and God's love. Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Best of You. Be sure to check out the show notes for any resources and links mentioned in the show. You can find those on my website at drallisoncook.com. That's allison with one L, cook.com. Before you forget, I hope you'll follow the show now so that you don't miss an episode. And I'd love it if you'd go ahead and leave a review. It helps so much to get the word out. I look forward to seeing you back here next Thursday. And remember, as you become the best of who you are, You honor God, you heal others, and you stay true to your God-given self.